Okay, we're back, and we decided while we were on break to bring up one more uh, topic with you, and that's you being a mother while you go through this. Yeah, this is a biggie. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry to bring up like the hugest topic, <laughs> but um, I think it's important that any type of health, whether it's your mental health, your physical health, or, you know, your addiction recovery or anything like that, you have to look at your motivations. There are motivations for everything. And I think I got a lot of clarity um, what my motivations were when um, I became a mother and my daughter just turned seven. And it's very, very important to me that she recognizes that I am taking care of myself, right? I don't want her to have the perception that I didn't try, okay? So- um, And not only that, there's a possibility mm -hmm. that this mental illness was transferred in the genes mm -hmm. too, correct? Yeah. So like there is obviously mental illness, there is a genetic component to it. And I recognize that it is a possibility that she could end up having the same diagnosis as me. And it's my hope that I am building a strong enough connection and bond with her um, that if this type of thing starts happening to her, um, that she can come to me. I do not plan on keeping this, my diagnosis, a secret from her. You know, obviously I'm not going to try to explain this to a seven-year-old, you know, but when she is older, this is a serious conversation that we need to have about, she needs to understand what mental health is. And so it's really important for me that she recognizes that I'm taking care of myself. Right. And that's not just with the mental health. Um, you know, that's with uh, my drinking, too. Obviously, she's seven. She kind of has an awareness that something's different. She notices that I'm not drinking wine or beer. Right. You know, so she At notices seven, that she notices. This. Yeah, she notices like she knows that I, I drink like, you know, juice now and stuff like that. Um, so I think that recognizing that although having extrinsic motivation. So motivation outside of yourself. It's good to have a balance of this extrinsic motivation and intrinsic motivation. You have to have inner motivation and you have to have outer motivation, right? And I found that with a lot of people I've interacted with on the mental health side and on uh, the sobriety side, parenting has been a very, very strong motivation. And from people I've talked to, uh, people are feeling a lot more uh, patient with their children. They are feeling more present with their children. Um, me personally, like this is, I think the first time I said this, I cried, but um, my daughter, uh, my ex and I, we have uh, shared custody of her. And when she would go to be with her dad, the first thing I would do is have a drink. Oh, I'm kidless, have a drink. And um, this was actually a trigger for me for quite some time. Like when she would walk out the door, I was like, okay, don't get a drink. But 
I started feeling um, when I stopped drinking that I was looking forward to her coming back. Whereas before, I, I wouldn't say that I dreaded her coming back into my care, but I wouldn't say that I looked, looked forward to it either. And in some ways, I don't think that we should ever discount what children pick up on because they're very receptive and intuitive little beings. I sometimes wonder if she, if she sensed that, right? Well, let's talk about that because you, we talked a little bit about this before and she senses if you're a high or a low already, doesn't she? Yeah. She's, um, my daughter in particular is very sensitive in, in all of the most amazing ways. She's very empathic. Um, she recognizes when I am not feeling well, and she will sometimes even like, you know, say, mommy, you should rest your mind. Um, and I love that about her. She wants to take care of me. Right. And where does she learn how to take care? I teach her how to care for somebody. And so when she is turning around and taking care of me, like, for example, if I'm, you know, having trouble getting out of bed that day, or if I'm not feeling well, I mean, I hated when she would try to take care of me when I had a hangover, (laughs) but yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I can almost see what I've instilled in her in terms of caring um, when she gives it back to me. And so I think that maybe she at seven years old probably can't vocalize the changes that she sees in me, but I think she, she recognizes, but she'll like say, mommy, you need rest. Yeah. She'll, she'll tell me you you need to rest your brain. You need, so she's in tune with you really well. And something that I always say to her is um, I've always tell her that sleep fixes everything. You know, she like gets a little bug bite and, you know, she doesn't want to say, oh, well, sleep fixes everything. And, <laughs> and you know, I, I tell her this, especially when she's sick, you know, and, she, and I'm just like, well, when you go to sleep, you know, sleep, sleep will make you feel better. And she uses this line on me. She's like, oh, sleep fixes everything. You know, it'll, you'll feel better when you wake up. And um, yeah, like it's, it, it's a really great motivator because, you know, I, I am shaping a, a young mind and as she grows older, she's going to recognize even more the things that I am doing to stay healthy. And I'm not going to say that the only reason why I'm staying healthy and the only reason why I'm staying sober is because of her. I'm doing but, it because of me and for her. And it's another, like you said, another method, external mm-hmm motivation you have yeah. your internal motivation yeah your external motivation and it's even made you re- you've obviously seen that there's a difference mm-hmm. when you drink when i drank alcohol stole all my time for my grandkids my wife mm-hmm. from everyone yeah I'm not in, and then i was just selfish about my drinking you're getting it in my way so here's your daughter coming back to you yeah and it's not like you you're not overjoyed like you are now mm-hmm. off the alcohol because it, I'm not saying it is, but maybe that's part of it where you're like, the alcohol is kind of being selfish. Oh, Mm -hmm. this child's going to get in the way of my drinking now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because I, I was kind of on a cycle 
with my drinking with her, basically with her custody schedule. I did not drink as much when she was in my care. I was maybe having like, you know, one, two or three drinks and after she went to bed, or sometimes I would have a drink at dinner, um, you know, uh, but when I didn't have her, that's when sometimes I would get into the, the binge drinking behaviors. That's when, that's when a lot of the blackouts were happening. That's when, you know, things kind of got sort of heavy. And like I said, it, I was on, it's like, it's, it's like my whole life is cycles. Like I'm on a mood cycle with my, with bipolar disorder. And then I was almost on like a drinking cycle. Right. And right. You become, like you've really confronted two things at one time, but I run head first into them. <laughs> I, but the cool thing is you're not just trying to take a pill to get through it. You're diving in. You started diving in at, at, when you were younger in your early twenties mm-hmm. and you've died, you've dove in all these years and now you're diving into your sobriety too. Mm-hmm. And it's just cool that you have all these awarenesses and you're going to be able to help us out because you're going to be mm-hmm. coming back more. Um, probably uh, you'll be back with Polly when uh, yeah. again. And then when Karina gets back, because you have a lot, it's not just manic and hy- hypomanic and manic that you have uh, mm-hmm. knowledge about. You have a lot of knowledge about mental health because yeah, you it's- dove in and you can help us. Yeah. And, it's like I said, it's just, it's just been my entire adult life. Right. And it's not just out of a book. It's out of what you've lived and experienced, mm-hmm. which is so cool. Mm-hmm. So with my, I was going to mention with my manic, I didn't even, I'm 58 years old. I never really even knew that I had a mental illness and I rejected the theories of mental illness that mm-hmm. it was just garbage. So all these years where I could have had help, like you've had, I've rejected it. Even I have a mom that's highly educated in this mm-hmm. and I've rejected everything. She doesn't. In fact, recently she told me, I never mentioned it to you because you won't listen to me. When I, finally, when I finally came to her and she's like, I just, it was a waste of time. Mm-hmm. So I went, I didn't realize I had another issue till I got off the alcohol. Mm-hmm. And then um, I started this podcast mm-hmm. and I was plastering silvertown.com silvertownpodcast.com all over the ias app and they were they were really cool about it and they let me get away with it for a while and i didn't know about marketing and spam and all of that i had no idea and I, so i got this email that was really cool um hey we love what you're doing and uh, we're maybe one day we're thinking about podcasts too and but this is um your what you're doing is you're spamming our website and we just, you can still talk about what you're doing, but not put it on every friggin' post, right. In -hmm. big bold letters, sobertownpodcast.com. So I agreed to this with them and I was really cool about it. I was on my way home from work, sent them an email back. Yeah, that's cool. No problem. I came home. I fell asleep for one hour. Mm -hmm. I woke up and all of a sudden I'm like, well, hold it. Don't they know what I'm doing? I'm, yeah. I'm trying to help people. And not only am I trying to help people, I'm not trying to help people on the wor- their website. Mm-hmm. And I started a campaign. And this is, I found out, this is my default. Mm-hmm. When I feel somebody uh, confronts me and, and I go into my manic, I guess it's more than hypermania. And I go mm-hmm. into this manic state. Um, I start campaigning 
against mm -hmm. anybody that confronts me, which yeah. has to do with, I, and I've traced it all the way back to my childhood, the abuse of being a childhood, and then in and out of jails and all this stuff, to prisons and rehabs and through my whole life, it's become, become, it's become my default. You learn yeah. shopping and I learn to confront anything that mm -hmm. comes at me. Yeah, that elevated mood state, um, it, you mentioned when you listed off the characteristics of mania and one of them was um, grandiosity, like having this um, inflated sense of self. And we had this conversation before we started the pod or before we started our recording. And I said, yeah, because what's happened is that when you're in mania, you have like this really weird perception of yourself where you think that you are more powerful or more important. Um, I'm not saying that you're not important, but more powerful or more important than you actually are. Right. And you kind of have this thing where you're just like, you have something that you're passionate about. And then you have become kind of like the protector of the people. You want to protect these people. You want to help these people. I want to help all of these people. All these people can be helped. I'm doing something, you know, to get to share my message. And this is what my message lines up with your message. And we can work together and we can we can do so much good. And then they're telling you, you know, to dial it down. And you're just like, why so much? Like, you know, you and like that's happened to me too. You know, I think I gave you an example about how sometimes I get really agitated in waiting rooms and I get really right. sensitive about songs that are playing. And sometimes I'm just like, you should not be playing this song in here. There's people that could be suicidal. And then, you know, I become the protector of the people. Right. And so what's sort of happening is that your sense of self, um, when I say becomes inflated, I'm not saying that you have a huge ego. Right. What I'm saying is that you become very mission oriented and you become very passionate and you, you, like you said, you just want to get your message out. And, and your brain is racing a thousand miles you just an hour. Become fixated. You become yes. so fixated on it. And it's the only thing you can think about and you're not sleeping and you're not eating. You're dedicated to the cause. Right. And so I had, I had one hour sleep, right? Yeah. My wife thought I was in there sleeping the whole time. And is what I did is I started my campaign. I started getting people behind me to in IAS and say, hey, look, I'm doing this and this and this mm -hmm. and to get them on my bandwagon. Yep. And I'm not only just one post. I wrote like three or four posts that day mm -hmm. uh, trying to convince and attack IAS support for them not letting me just run rampant mm -hmm. on their on their amazing website right yeah see it's like your intentions your intentions are good and pure but when you're experiencing mania your execution is off i guess we could say right you can have the best of intentions but when you are in a state where you are not kind of regulating your mood properly, um, it can be really hard to do this in a productive, um, you know, beneficial way, right? So you almost, you can separate this into your intentions and your execution, right? Are you going to be able to execute this when you're, when you're manic? No, probably not. You're probably going to burn more bridges. 
will you be able to execute this when you're depressed? Maybe not, because you probably don't have the med or the motivation to even bother. And so that's kind of why when I was mentioning, when you get on the, the like a feeling of stability, when you have that clarity of, you know, your mood, whether it's like kind of, is it in between? Where is it? Um, it's in these moments of stability where we really have to um, connect with what matters most to us, right? And it's at this time of stability where things that you have a lot of passion and good intentions for, whether it be like, you know, this cause of spreading um, addiction recovery awareness, you know, whether it's connecting with family, all this kind of stuff, if you really got to seize that time. And that's not to say that you can't love and you can't campaign and you can't inflict change when you're in extreme mood states, right? But the best time to do it when you can really connect with all of the your inner powers and outer powers is having an awareness of when you are in your optimal zone, if you will. Yeah. So I'm so here I am. I'm back there like eight hours and I'm I'm a, doing all this crazy shit. And then finally, people start coming on my timeline saying, hey, Director, you, you're pushing this a little too far. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking like, what are you talking about? They're probably laughing right now about what I'm doing because, it, it, you know, mm -hmm. I'm helping them. And then I got, they got fed up yeah. and they sent me and they were still gracious in their email. They sent me. I think I told you that they killed you with kindness. They killed me with kindness and yeah. it was cutting so deep. Mm -hmm. And you talk about that balloon deflating. It yeah. blew up. And I, yeah. I went straight into deep depression where I'm like, oh my God, what did I just do? Yeah. What have I, I done? All day long, I've been campaigning. And then, then the realization, and, and this is the same thing that alcohol yeah. always did to me. I would get inflated, get like crazy. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, when I wake up the next day, Crash. I'm, it, I'm crashed. I'm ashamed. I'm, I feel guilty. I feel remorse. Yeah. Um, I didn't think about suicide this time, like how alcohol brought mm -hmm. me to suicidal states, but the crash was really hard and I was mm -hmm. supposed to go to work in a couple hours. I had to call up my relay and say, look, I can't make it. You're yeah. going to have to come further. And that night when I was driving is when I realized there's something more going on here than mm -hmm. because all this time, CC, I thought it was the alcohol doing this to me, but here mm -hmm. I am seven or eight months down the road. There is no alcohol. Yeah. And it's I'm still, still happening and it's still happening. Mm -hmm. And then I started, wow, I got, I think I may have a mental illness. Mm -hmm. And then I started looking up the, you know, first I found bipolar and I really mm -hmm. didn't think I was too yeah. much bipolar. Then I saw hypomania and yeah. mania. Yeah. And that's when Dan, I got my mom on the phone mm -hmm. just a huge real revelation. And then my mom was just blown away that I'm even talking to her about this at this point. Like, yeah. who is this kid on the phone? <laughs> you know? yeah. So and, like the hypomania and depression and mania, they're all symptoms of uh, bipolar disorder. And I think we talked briefly that with bipolar disorder, you need to have the alternating between the two moods, whether it be mania or hypomania with depression and the 
the difficulty with regulating them. So your difficulty with the regulation came from you had this extremely elevated mood state and everyone gets pumped about things. Like we have to, you know, let's relate to everyone here. Everyone can get really excited and passionate about things and campaign about things. Yes, that can happen, right? Yes, we all experience disappointments, absolutely. Do we feel like we've deflated when something disappointing happens? Yes, but do you go from an extreme high to an extreme low in a matter of hours? Or even minutes. Minutes, and so we have to imagine that sound wave graph right? So when there is difficulty regulating the alternating between these moods, the you have to imagine the highs are really high and the lows are really low and they're happening really fast up and down, up and down, up and down, right? Whereas someone that does not have a mood disorder, they're kind of closer to the flat line. They, they do alternate because everybody does. Sure. Everybody does. But at the same time, where we have to be careful is we have to look at what's going on in that period of stability. How long is it? And how often are these extreme highs and extreme lows happening, right? And going from one to another, just like, boom, that can be very, it's very jarring for a person. It can be dangerous. It can be uh, very, very rough. Well, when I look at my life, um, it's definitely been... Uh, a cycle through my whole life, mm-hmm. which, yeah. which has put me in and out of jail, in and out of prisons, in and out yeah. of rehabs through my whole life, because I always thought it was just the alcohol, right? Well, it's like, like I said, it takes so long to get a proper diagnosis of bipolar disorder, because oftentimes what um, clinicians are having to do is look back over almost a lifetime to see the pattern of behavior. So when I'm saying with bipolar disorder that, you know, it's just not one of those things where you just like walk in and walk out and get it. No, let let me take your temperature and your blood pressure. Oh, you're bipolar. Yeah, no, a demonstrated pattern has to be shown. There are a few other things that are maybe a little bit too medical to go on, but a demonstrated pattern needs to be shown for this. And that is why it can take so many years to be properly diagnosed. So someone that is off the alcohol, and if they find themselves going through the same, or and it's not probably going to be exactly like mine or exactly like yours, mm-hmm. But if they still find themselves going through these highs and lows, Mm -hmm. maybe there's more going on than just getting out the alcohol. Yeah. Um, Keep in mind too, right, that bipolar disorder affects approximately, approximately uh, 5% of the population. Okay. So we need to be careful that we are... um, not assuming diagnosis, right? It's, it's important to um, speak to a professional about this type of thing. Um, the best thing that I can recommend is that you, if you feel like you are having a lot of mood fluctuations, you're having uh, trouble regulating your mood. I spoke about emotional dysregulation um, in the other podcast that I did. I think it was episode 144. Um, the best thing that you can do is to track your moods. 
Okay. Because when you look back, you're like, oh, well, I think I was depressed last Thursday. No, um, I'm not talking about writing pages upon pages in a journal or anything like that. Personally, um, I use the IAS app. Um, I've been using it for the past couple of months. And at the end of the day, you can do your little daily check-in and select which emojis you experienced during that day. Oh, yeah. And lately, I've been actually using that with my psychiatrist. I'll be like, okay, I had uh, 10 fines and, you know, like (laughs) six goods. You can do your own variation of this. Without writing writing tons of paragraphs and sentences. Or even just writing three adjectives a day. You know, like you could write, you know, frustrated, um, agitated, nervous. Um, or you could write, um, happy, you know, elevated, sad, (laughs) but you're keeping a record of it. Keep a record of it because if you're going to be, um, speaking with a doctor or a medical professional or some type of mental health clinician, when you have the information and the data that can help to expedite the process, right? Because so much of getting treatment for um, mental health concerns is based on your personal reporting, right? You are reporting how you feel, right? And so if you are not reporting accurate information, um, like I always make the joke that why are my psychiatrist appointments always on the worst days? Like I'm, I'm in the worst mood and now I have to talk to my damn psychiatrist. Like (laughs) why can't I talk to her on a good day? Um, So that's why I try to keep some type of record of what actually happened in real time in that moment. What did I feel? Yeah. Um, And then that way you can be sure that you are being um, you're not biased. Right. You're not trying to oversell the bad. Um, You know, that that does happen sometimes. Uh, And you're not uh, especially with issues like of mania, like you're not overselling the good either. You need a a realistic, um, you know, so that's what I'm going to start doing that myself. I'm going to start journaling. Yeah. And another thing with me with getting now that I have the awareness mm -hmm. because I can feel this coming on and I've felt it my whole life. I just thought it was just adrenaline, which it may Mm -hmm. be just, well, adrenaline is involved. Absolutely. Because I, I, I get amped up. And, but I can feel it coming on and everybody that knows me knows that I talk about act awareness, clarity, turnaround. And I've been using act to, when I feel this coming on, I get aware, I clarify it. And I, and I use my own way of turning this around to talk myself out and just, I'm disconnecting. And Mm -hmm. Todd is the one who told me about disconnecting, Mm -hmm. um, because uh, someone in his life is bipolar and that's what they do. They disconnect and they mm-hmm. found management. And, and that's what I'm finding. Wow. If I can just disconnect, mm-hmm. I don't go full manic. And yeah. if I don't go full manic, I don't go then, full depressed. Yeah. And so I had made the suggestion with this act that you um, were talking about, turn it into three sentences, Boom. right? You know, because like I said, you don't have to write, a damn book, right? So turn it into three sentences. And those th- 
three sentences would have so much value. And when you go back and look at them, I wouldn't recommend looking at what you journaled for like several months later. Um, sometimes it's weird. I've been journaling for over 10 years. Sometimes I find it difficult to read what I've written recently. Um, I share what is relevant or I star important entries for um, my support people. But um, I find that I prefer not to read what I've written um, until quite a bit later, right? Because sometimes if something um, traumatic or something that was very emotional occurred, right? When you're going back and reading, in a way, you kind of relive it, right? Oh, it's amazing you say that mm -hmm. because... I have a really huge problem and it's one of my deleting issues. When I start sharing events from my past, I get really, really wound up. Yeah. And as a method of protection for myself, like I said, with journaling, it's almost like I have it on the page, right? That's an excellent way of emptying it, but I don't have to go back and revisit it. Right. And in terms of, I mean, obviously PTSD and past events, even recalling sometimes some of my past events in mania can be very triggering for me. Um, at the same time, there has to be a way that we can kind of like eat, like let the tension out. And so that's why I'm really grateful to be having the opportunity to be doing this podcast with you, because I am like you, I am very passionate, especially about helping people and creating awareness around mental health. And so when I feel like I am sharing my experiences with mania and depression, this is a very good way of taking all of that, those really intense moments in my life that created a lot of destruction and creating them into something um, that can be good, right? Well, and I'll tell you what, I'm really happy for this podcast right now because <laughs> just today talking to you, you've helped me in a lot of different ways. And that's, how, that's why we're just talking about this stuff brings awareness. And now I, I have even more ways to fight because I'm pretty much the alcohol really doesn't have that addict voice. I've got that sucker slammed up in a soundproof steel cage right now <laughs> yeah. that it hardly ever gets out. Yeah. But I have other voices in my head that have sprouted up now that that addict voice is out of the way. Well, those, when you address that, like we were just talking about, if you address your mental health, it's going to help the the alcohol recovery as well. It's going to keep that guy locked up. So we, we need to look at our mental health and our addiction recovery, not as being two separate things, but they will reinforce each other. And I, and, and they're married. I, they're married. I firmly believe that if you keep on working on your mental health, that will lock up that cell even tighter and tighter because alcohol uh, addiction and mental health, I really really have a hard time separating them because I, I truly, like I said, they are, they are interconnected. Absolutely. And I hope more, you know, that we, if there's anybody listening that they, they're not alone, don't be ashamed to get um, help. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been on those low lows where uh, I don't know. Look, 
I've, I, and I've never really even, not very many people even know this. I've tried to slip my wrist once and I, and I think I've had a gun in my, to my head or in my mouth at least three or four times. That's where this stuff takes you when you crash. Mm-hmm. And if we don't get that low, uh, if you find a way not to get that low and start addressing it, maybe we, uh, other lives will be saved. Let's get some coping mechanisms in there. And, you know, we've been kind of focusing on the mania and the hypomania today, but we've got a whole other side when we, when we start looking at the depression. And possibly with, I don't know what, you're going to be coming back with Polly next. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah. you're going to make like this little tour, huh? Uh, yeah, I'm riding the sober train to all the stops. You are. So you're going to go, you're going to visit with Polly next. Yep. And then Karina is going to be back from her vacation by Mm -hmm. then. And Karina is just, man, she's just amazing. She's into the mental health, Uh, a retired nurse. Yep. She's just like a ball of, see, I'm just so blessed to have all of you around me that have all this knowledge and and personal experience. It's just Mm -hmm. amazing. All of you. Amazing. Well, the great thing about mental health is you can approach it from so many different ways. You know, we took just one approach and that's why I think it's great that, you know, I'm maybe speaking with different people because what is interesting, Polly, or what's interesting, Karina is different from you. So like, you know, we're, we're approaching mental health from all angles, just like we do with sobriety, approach it from as many ways as you possibly can. And, you know, that's what I like about Sober, Sober Town Podcast. Mm-hmm. We have different people doing different interviews, talking mm-hmm. about different topics, and it's not just one uh, one person and their opinions. It's That's right. multiply. And we want AA. Uh, we want, well, the 12 steps, Avart Recovery, Smart Recovery. It doesn't matter how you get sober um, mm-hmm. because even a lot of the yoga teachers, they they are people doing yoga, they're into meditation. Mm -hmm. And so there's so many different ways that hopefully we can build this podcast and the website to where you can just come on here and find whatever help you want to get. Yeah. The idea is that, I mean, if, even if you listen to a podcast in one thing, if I've said one thing and it has helped one person today, I can't imagine anything better than that. That's right. Well, then you've done it because Mm -hmm. you helped me. No. Thank you. Which is huge because I mean, I'm, I'm only a couple months into my awareness that yes, there is a mental illness and look, there is a stigma out there about mental illness because I've already had people try to talk me out of, Oh no, you don't have mental illness Mm -hmm. at which that was me because I used to tell people the same thing. There's no way. And that's just a bunch of uh, bullshit and they're Mm going to set you up in their traps and this and that. But look, there's more going on in my head at 58 mm-hmm. than I ever thought possible. And it's and I'm not ashamed of it. And I want to bring awareness yeah. to it. Absolutely. I am with you 100%. So thank you, Cece, welcome. so much for being here. Pretty soon you'll be with Polly and, and I can't wait. Neither can I. Thank you for joining the pod, uh, Sobertown Podcast. Check out SobertownPodcast.com. Remember to pour the poison down the sink. And thank you very much.